Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2015. This is Suzanne talking about Steps 6 and 7. Hi everyone, my name is Suzanne and I'm an alcoholic. I'm very gratefully sober today and um, also very nervous. It's interesting that that's, uh, that that's um, you know, something that's uh, shifted out of um, being able to move through a defect. I used to cover up nervousness and, um, and anxiety through arrogance and knowing everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, one of the downsides of losing defects is sometimes they uncover new defects <laughs> and we get to play with those for a while. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, really lovely and it's really interesting actually one of the big defects that's shifted for me in the last few years is the it's the know-it-all defect and the uh and the self-righteous defect and the my program's better than everyone's defect and uh it's a lovely shift i feel like i'm much more connected with everyone in the rooms but the downside is i get a lot more nervous doing things like this i no longer believe that my program is the only program or um or that there's only one way of doing things and uh it allows for a lot more doubt, but uh, as a result, I do a lot more eleventh step, and I and I genuinely seek God's will instead of um, trying to find the answer that makes me right and therefore makes me feel safe. And I think that's really what I wanted when I came into AA. I didn't feel safe in the world, and uh, the thing that had made me feel safe, which was you know alcohol and and other substances, had stopped working, and they'd stopped working a long time before, and the world was very unsafe again. And I didn't really know what to do. I, I walked into AA. Um, I had been not drinking for over a year. Um, I had told myself that because I could do that, I wasn't an alcoholic. But um, I, I was unable to live without drugs or alcohol. I, I was completely suicidal when I walked into AA. I had hit a point in my drinking. I started drinking when I was very young. My sister and I were both very young when we started drinking, and, and for her it was mostly drugs, and for me it was mostly alcohol. And uh, and um, they worked for a really long time, and for both of us they stopped working relatively young. My sister was 17 when she got into recovery. She got into NA, and um, I was 25 when I got into recovery. And, um, and uh, you know, the reason why I think we got in so early is that we, um, we used up our allocated amount of alcohol a long time previously. <laughs> I think if you get so much in your life, we, we really went hard pretty young. At sort of 12 or 13, we were both full-blown. And, it, you know, very much like Peter was saying, we came from a very nice family, um, you know, wealthy and central London and had all the things money could buy. We also had alcoholism in my family quite rife. I have a mother who still drinks, um, very heavily, and my father is very much an untreated Al-Anon. And so we had a very dysfunctional home where we weren't taught um, at all how to deal with, um, with life on life's terms. And so we had this double whammy, both of us, and, and I'll speak about me. I, I, I had this genetic propensity towards alcoholism. Um, I clearly had the disease. I was clearly restless, irritable, and discontent before I picked up a drink. And I had a mother and, and a father who were stuck in their own versions of this disease. And so very, very early on, I found alcohol. And very, very early on, it worked. And uh, I ran with it. And I couldn't understand people who didn't drink. I remember being bemused by people who, who didn't drink and drug at a very young age, at sort of 14, 15, being very confused by anyone who didn't. And... Um, 
You know, and it's only really in AA that I understand that, that the reason why I was confused by people who didn't drink like me was because I was unable to live life on any level without a substance keeping me from, from the pain of reality. And, um, you know, that's kind of heartbreaking now to think about, to think about the fact that, you know, I didn't drink... I didn't really drink for social stuff. I got a lot of social stuff out of it. I, you know, I had a lot of fun, but the truth is I drank because I was unable to deal with life on life's terms in any way from an incredibly young age. And so... You know, and so when it hit the point when I was about 21, 22, where I, I um, would try and kill myself when I drank because I was so filled with self-loathing. Every time I picked up a drink, I just hated myself so much of doing it again. And I, um, you know, I, I was really unable to function on any level without, with alcohol. And I stopped drinking and rapidly realized I wasn't able to function on any level without alcohol. And so I hit this point, and I love in the big book and a vision for you, it says that we hit a... a point where we are finally unable to imagine life either with or without a drink and then we will know the jumping off place and we know loneliness as few do and I think the loneliness is what seemed to really drive me into AA I had this real um, I had an ache that just never left you know I had this this sense of deep seated inability to to do life how other people did it and um, and I didn't know what I did wrong, (laughs) I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong and you know, I called my sister, and she was three and a half years in recovery at that point and, and had this light in her that I had never seen. She was restless and discontent from the moment she was born, and uh, she discovered, you know, heavy alcohol and drugs at about 10. And uh, she, she had been about three years in recovery at this point, and, um, as I said, and, and she just had this ease and this light, and I... I was deeply cynical. It seemed very Oprah to me. I'm even more cynical about Oprah than I am about Catholicism. So, you know, this kind of AA mix of the two was not, a, was not something... I mean, people who held hands and clapped was just anathema <laughs> for me. I was not impressed with that. I was not impressed with the God word. You know, I had studied science. I um, wasn't in the deep South America. I was well aware that God was in a construct of people who were afraid of death. Um, I had read a lot of books on atheism and that made a lot of sense to me and science made a lot of sense to me and um, my first sponsor I said you know your God is just a wrath for weak people and he said yeah that's very good that's exactly what it is that's brilliant you've got it and I remember (laughs) you know it was great very very good sponsor for me my first sponsor a a train driving trade unionist Um, so you know hard really tough, and a man. Um, I, there were no women who were brave enough to come near me <laughs> when I first came into AA. I was furious with the world for existing. And I was furious with me for not having the courage to kill myself. I was really, really, really angry. And I got this tough sponsor who was passionate about the big book and passionate about recovery and, um, and was tough enough to stand up for me and smart enough to outthink me. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we went through the big book and Um, And it was very much what was written on the page. Um, We didn't do a whole lot of other stuff outside of it. And to be honest, I think I was just too damaged. I think some people can, it seems. Some people can can move around the steps and do other things right from the start. I was really, really ill. I was ill from having grown up in an alcoholic home. I was ill from having drunk and drugged so much and, and from being so destructive in my life. And so the Big Book was an incredibly simple formula that I could just put into my life and there wasn't a whole lot to argue with because I was nothing I liked more than a good argument when I walked into AA and and um, you know I got taken through and 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 I 
really thought I'd struggle with the God thing. I thought, you know, six and seven to me was a part of three and a part of 11. It was this idea that I had to believe in something that was clearly not real, very clearly not real. And I said to my sponsor, I've got a real problem with this. You know, this is going to be an issue. And my sponsor was great, actually. My sponsor said to me, you don't have to believe in God. There's no rules in AA that says we have to believe. What it says is that it's possible you're wrong. It's possible you're wrong. And we'd done the first step in the big book by then, and I had seen how wrong I was on so many areas in my life, particularly around alcohol. So I could kind of understand that it was maybe I was wrong about other things, including this God thing. I didn't think I was, but it was possible. And if you're wrong, you're not God. And if you can, if you can believe those two things, then you've got enough to do the rest of the program. And, and you know, they were, the, they were probably the only two things that I could have believed, that I could have accepted at that point. And... And it was enough, you know. We went on and we and we we did off. I did my fourth step, and I you know I shared it with him, and and then I got to six and seven, and, and in the book, <laughs> for me it was great. I, I was like the box ticker of recovery. Done that tick, done that tick, done my gratitude list tick. Not really about seeking God's will. I was about um, finishing the program so I could get on with a happy life. And step six was six lines, and step seven was seven lines, and then I just got on with step eight, and I just sort of did them. I didn't really think about it. I mean, I was very willing after fifth after my fifth step. It was clear that the way that I viewed the world was causing me enormous struggles in the world. And, and I had become convinced that what AA was saying, which was that if I, if I managed to rid myself of these things, I would live in ease and comfort without a drink. I'd become convinced that was true. And I just did exactly what it said in the big book. You know, are you willing to have them removed? Hell yes. Say the prayer. Done. Do my eighth step list. And I mean, it really was that simple. And, you know, and unbeknownst to me, it worked. And it wasn't at all in my effort. I, I think at the risk of being controversial, I think we can overcomplicate things in AA a little bit. I think, you know, I became, later on, I became very dogmatic about a particular way of doing step six. I'd write the defect I believe I had, and then I'd write the asset, and then I'd act towards the asset. And, you know, and someone pointed out to me the incredible arrogance of telling God which defects I would like removed, please, today. Um, And telling God what defects I have as well. You know, I love that thing we say in AA about sometimes my defects are really helpful. You know, the truth is I came into AA because I had a sailing instructor I really fancied and I saw him outside a meeting one day and so I followed him into a meeting. Like, that's clearly a defect of character, right? (laughs) Not something we want to be espousing to our sponsees as good action, but it got me into AA and it got me sober and it got me working. And so God used my defects in really good ways quite often. And, you know, and I find today, um, I have to be very careful with six and seven. What six and seven can do for me if I'm not careful, if I'm not... Um, practicing step 11 actually is 6 and 7 can come away of me beating myself around the head of where I'm not good enough it's a really really dangerous space for where I can still be just not good enough and, and where I can really be incredibly hard on, um, on the fact that I'm human and I know that isn't for everyone I'm someone who works a program that's pretty dogmatic I have to be very careful of dogma in my life and so for me with that defect I have to be very careful about not being too hard on myself. And my sponsor, I love this, my sponsor now, who, you know, I'm, I'm now well enough to have a female sponsor and uh, a very gentle female sponsor, which is lovely. And um, she says that, you know, she believes that, um, well, she's been taught and she believes that our defects of character are not, um, they're not bad. It's not about being bad. It's a really strong character trait that's been wound up to 100% through my selfishness and through my fear. And so if for me a really strong um, character trait, for example, is compassion, 
And, I, and, you know, and that up to like 70% is a strong trait. I add selfishness and fear to that, and I immediately will become controlling, and I'll immediately become self-righteous. You know, I've been watching this thing in uh, Europe with the, with the Syrian refugees, and the Hungarians are refusing to allow the, the refugees into their country, and the Germans are saying, come in, and I can be so self-righteous about the Hungarians. And if I take out my selfishness and I take out my fear from that and I wind it back just a little, what's at the base of that is compassion. You know, I'm a really compassionate person, but, but if I get caught up in my, in my um, instincts being out of whack, in my need for the world to agree with everything I think, in my need for everyone to be exactly what I want them to be, because I need to feel safe and that's what I think is going to keep me safe, I can take that strong character trait and dial it up into a defect and that's when I begin to cause harm. And I think just that small shift in thinking for me around my sixth step and and seventh step has allowed me to be a lot more gentle with who I am. And in being a lot more gentle with who I am, I can be a lot more gentle with who you are. I can allow you to be who you need to be. And for me, an awful lot of this program is about me allowing you to be who you can be because then I'm not at loggerhead with the world. And I found when my program was perfect, when I was only, you know, I had this thing like, AA is the only solution. If I'm doing anything outside of AA, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I had someone tell me that at a meeting once, actually. And what that was was a very, very dogmatic way for me to remain small. You know, my disease wants me to be small, fundamentally. It doesn't want me to live a full, whole life. It needs me to be as small as possible because the smaller I am, the less safe I feel. And the less safe I feel, the more likely I am to pick up a drink. And so for me, the process, particularly of six and seven, is about expanding my awareness, expanding my love, expanding my ability to live in the world comfortably. And if I can do that, then I'm far less likely to pick up a drink today. And my disease is very clever in finding ways to keep me sick. You know, Self-righteousness is a brilliant one. I'm right about you, therefore you can't be in my life. You know, Absolutely. Or... Um, uh, you know, judging other drivers on the road. Driving's a good one for me. If I begin to be a boy racer, you know I'm not travelling well. Like, I need a lot of programme. And, um, you know, I have all these markers that show me that I need to begin to be careful. And, and, um, and six and seven are, are the place where God does God's work and I let him. You know, this incredible arrogance that I lived with that somehow I could fix it. I, that was my first thing with step six. I pray, every, here are my... 15 defects that I'd like, <laughs> God, you shall remove this one and this one and less of this one because I'm quite enjoying this one, but lots of that one because that's hurting. And, you know, and so I'm, I'm now given the ability to just um, to be patient in pain, actually. You know, some defects really hurt me and, and I just sit and I'm learning to be patient and just sit in what they are and the 11th step helps me with that. And with other defects that are removed, it's so often because I'm focusing over here and the defect over here is removed and I wake up one day and realise it's not happening anymore. I have no idea if that makes much sense to anyone, but to me, this has, um, this has been the difference between living a life just not picking up a drink and living a life that's whole and free and joyful. And it stretches me all the time. It's very hard being stretched as an alcoholic. I'm very comfortable living in a small box and these steps compel me to remain stretched and open and, and, and attempting to be free from all these defects that keep me away from you. You know, eight and nine, which is the next ones, you guys. That's about you guys. And so, and, so, uh, and so I have this incredible ability to not live in a small box today 
And, um, and that is specifically these steps. That's why they exist, I believe. And, and, the, and they work <laughs> against all my attempts to have them not work very well. They work very, very well. They're beautiful steps. So thanks. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.